invite you to stand with us as we sing and as we pray and worship this morning. King of every heartbeat, ruler of all history, sovereign over everything, through every age, and author of salvation, the hope of every nation, high above the heavens be.
Hey, Fellowship, in August, we challenged you to be the church, and we realized that in order for our small groups to gather, that we were gonna have to go smaller than ever, and we unveiled to you our gathering strategy of circles of six. You might remember, we challenged you to do three things, to, to gather six people together, make four commitments, for four months. And I have to say, you rose to the challenge. Many of you multiplied your existing community groups or small groups into two groups. Some even launched brand new circles of six, but, but you blew us away. Matter of fact, we probably had more small groups meeting at Fellowship in one way or another last fall than ever before. And so as you start to think about launching your small group this spring or this, this January, we wanna challenge you to do a couple things. First of all, is stay the course. In light of the current conditions, we wanna continue our circles of six strategy. We wanna challenge you, gather six people again together, practice those four commitments and do it for the four months of this, this spring time. And I wanna review for you real quick, just those, those spiritual commitments. The first one is that of spiritual devotion. We want, to, we want you gathering together in your circle of six or seven and studying the scriptures together and praying together. That second commitment is that of persistent gathering. Commit to consistent and safe gathering. So, so what that means right now, listen real close, is, is in our current conditions under the elders' leadership, we are recommending that you launch your group and meet for the near future online, either through FaceTime or Zoom or one of those online apps. And if you need help, the staff at the church or, or the coaches, the community group coaches would love to help you do that. But the key words here are consistent and safe. We wanna be consistently gathering and we wanna do it in a safe way. And we believe the safest way possible right now is online. And the third uh, commitment is that of genuine care. We wanna to commit to love and care for one another. Now more than ever, we need to be the church. And the fourth commitment is that of intentional impact. Commit to making a difference through outreach and service, even in a time like this. As a circle of six small group, we want you to grow in size and adopt a cause. And you can do this by asking two questions. Who can we serve and who can we invite? Fellowship, now more than ever, let's be the church as we launch our small groups again this winter. Good morning, Fellowship. How are y'all doing? Well, my name is Matt Archer and We've been hearing, we've been having the opportunity. Oh, this hey, is Angie Silverman. How are you doing, Angie? <laughs> good, good. Good. Hey, so we've been able the last few weeks to hear from Celebrate Recovery and Global Outreach. And today, you have the privilege of hearing from Family Ministry. All right. Angie and I work with Elementary Ministry, and we are so excited to be with you today. Hey, my family has, over the last couple of years, chosen a one-word goal for the year. So 2020, for example, our word was intentional. And so when we chose that word, we didn't know that intentional would mean like being intentional to wear a mask or work from home and stuff like that. But um, that's how it turned out. So our word for 2021, we were talking the other day, and it is connection. Can you tell what my family's been starving for? You know, it's just, it's been hard, right? And, and it's hard to, to feel disconnected. Even, even in a, a digital world, it's hard to, to have this feeling of disconnection. And, and disconnection because of a pandemic, but also disconnection because we're in a world that's in a lot of turmoil with hateful words and hateful actions and all those things. And so this year, we're trying to step out and live in connection. And fellowship has a lot of opportunities for connection for you. Um, if you want to pull out your phones, 
Um, you can go up here and click on click on that little QR code. You have to pull up your uh, you have to pull up your camera and click on that little QR code. And at the top, there's a little spot that says "I'm new." And if you are new here, we would love for you to fill that out, and we would love to connect with you this week um, to have somebody reach out to you. Um, you guys saw from the video, the Circles of Six video, that, that we are starting Circles of Six soon, and that is, on that, news, um, that is on that news feed, and we would love for you to be a part of a group. There's also Discover Fellowship, which is launching in February, and that's a great time to get to know more about Fellowship Bible Church and who we are as a church. Now, I'm going to connect you with Angie, and she's going to tell you a little bit more about family ministry. Well, good morning, Fellowship. It is amazing to be at a church that places high value on ministry to kids and to students. And it's our desire to help families own the spiritual development of the next generation. And so before you check out on me, those of you who are, I don't have kids at home, or I, I don't even have kids at all, I wanna challenge you. This mission statement is for you too. But mom, dad, I recognize that you're on the front line step-parents, foster parents, grandparents, you are feeling it. You are feeling weary. And that's what we get to do. We get to come together as a church and pass on the faith so that the next generation will know. It's all of our jobs. And so parents, how can we come alongside you? We want to encourage you, we wanna cheer you on and provide you with resources and opportunities to help spiritually develop your kids. And I have three that I wanna run through really quick. Number one, the early childhood curriculum box. If you have little ones at home, you need to get your hands on this resource. It is full of crafts and activities that will help you teach the Bible to your kiddos. There's no cost for these, but you just need to register online. And then secondly, if your kids are a little bit older, we encourage you to check out the elementary worship video. It comes out every week, and it's a great opportunity just to set your family up for a small at-home worship experience. And you can sing songs together, you, can, you will memorize scripture together, and just talk about the Bible. And so to find this, where Matt has taken you and Roger's news, if you just continue to scroll and scroll. There's a lot of opportunities. You will finally get to this section that says resources. These are family resources. If you click read more, it will take you to our family resource page with activities for your kids all the way from birth to 12th grade. And then if you just want it in your inbox every week, email Jody Clements and she'll send you that video every week. Okay, lastly, in this room, in three weeks, Mark your calendars, January 31st, we're gonna have a family worship experience. We are gonna in person live, come together as families and worship. But if you'd rather join us via live stream, just join us um, promptly at 4 p.m. on January 31st. All right, I've given you some ideas, some resources, but I don't think I've answered your burning question that all of us wanna know. Do you know what it is? When will children's classes open up? Oh, yeah, that is a great question, Angie. We are so excited for them to open up, but we are gonna still follow the mandates of the elders. 
Um, and they have said that we're going to wait until we see our lowering in the infection rate and the hospitalization rate. And we want to follow their wisdom and follow their guidance in that. But we want you to know that if you have a child in early childhood, elementary, or FSM, you have a leader that prays for that child by name every week. And we want you to know that because that is so important. Also, we want you to know that if you're worshiping with us on live stream, that you are seen, you are loved, and you are prayed for every week. And so thank you so much for being with us. Hey guys, now we're gonna spend some time connecting to the Lord through song. Please join us. Thanks, Matt and Angie. I know having four kids at home, how much it is meant to receive cards, knowing that people are praying for our kids. And for me and my wife, Hannah, that has encouraged us so much through this season. Well, this morning we are going to continue to worship and I'm reminded of the words of the preacher from Ecclesiastes where he says this, that there is a time for everything under the sun. There's a time to weep and there's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and there's a time to rejoice. And this morning, we come on the heels of a heavy week for many of us. And uh, what took place in our nation's capital this last week was unsettling and disturbing. And so we need to take an opportunity to seek the face of the Lord our God and to ask for healing and guidance. And so this morning, I invite you, would you pray with me? Father, as the people of God, we ask that you would break our hearts for what breaks yours. We pray that you would heal our nation. We pray that where there is conflict, you would bring peace. That where there is division, you would bring unity. And God, where there has been hate, we pray that you would bring love. And we pray for revival by your Holy Spirit. And we ask that it would start now in this place with us, your church. That as we humble ourselves before you and we worship in your spirit and in truth, that you would be glorified, that we would be sanctified, and that you would lead us as the hands and feet of Christ. So Lord, our prayer this morning is that your kingdom come, your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this morning, we praise you for who you are, all that you've done, and all you're yet to do. Amen.
by the word of his power is the same God who loves us and invites us to experience his presence and relationship with him. So right now we have the opportunity to pour out our affection and our devotion on our Savior. So we invite you to continue to sing and to worship with us this morning. things have passed away your love has stayed the same your constant grace remains the cornerstone 
morning, I'd like to invite the Mills family up. They're gonna read a very important passage of scripture over us, which is our passage for the day. Deuteronomy 6, four through nine. It's the Hebrew prayer, the Shema. They would pray over and over for generation after generation, a prayer of devotion unto God. So would you remain standing for the word of the Lord and hear the word this morning. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I'm gonna pray for us. Dear Jesus, um, thank you so much for letting us be here and gathered together today to worship you. Um, I pray that we would love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that people would see that in us. And I just pray going into the new year that we would put our identity in you and nothing else, and that you would let us walk in the freedom that comes with that. Amen. Well, you can be seated. Good morning, my name's Caleb Freeman. I'm a pastor on our student ministry team. Hey, let me just fill you in on something. Here at Fellowship, we actually believe what the Mills just read. We really truly believe that Deuteronomy is part of the word of God and it's impactful for our lives today. And I'll also tell you this, hey, at Fellowship, we love kids. We cherish children. We think they're one of the greatest gifts that God has given us. Now, for all of you parents out there, I get it. It can be difficult at times parenting. My wife and I have three, of our, three kids of our own, the youngest of which is five months old. And so even in my caffeinated stupor, this season that we call parenting young children, I still know that the good outweighs the bad and that the tough is totally worth it because kids are a gift that the Lord has given us. And you see, it's because we believe what Deuteronomy says and it's because we cherish children, that at fellowship we take it seriously when the scriptures say, impress on your children the love of God and his commandments. That's why our family ministry exists. We wanna train and equip you all to minister to and disciple your own kids and your own grandkids because that's where discipleship is most effective in the home. And so this morning, Hunter House is gonna be teaching us and he's gonna teach us about making disciples in the home from his home. Hunter and his family were exposed to COVID, um, and so they're healthy, they're doing great. If you remember them, say a prayer for them this week. But we didn't wanna take any risks. And so this morning, we'll be learning from Hunter House from his living room. Let's take a look. Well, this is obviously not how I pictured us being together this morning, but uh, I've got Bill asleep in the closet in here. Alex has taken the other two boys out of the house for like 25 minutes. So we're gonna make this work. If you've been working from home in COVID with young kids, you know this is incredibly difficult. So uh, I'm excited, let's do this. Uh, three years ago, Alex and I decided to buy a house in Bentonville, it was 50 years old, and we remodeled it for seven months on our nights and weekends, and it was exhausting. And I was like, dude, I am never doing this again. 
And if you can see behind me in this mess that is a house, uh, we have no kitchen cabinets. We're missing doors. Like we're in the middle of another remodel project in a new home. And uh, I can't believe we've done it again. One of the cool things though, that I love about remodeling is using all the new technology and inventions, innovations. And uh, one of them that really blows my mind is this PEX piping. I'm not a plumber. I don't know how to solder copper pipe together or anything, but you take this little shark bite thing and put it on this PEX piping and you know what? You have a fully sealed water pipe. How in the world it works, I have no idea, but I don't care because it works and it's awesome. Uh, one of the other things I love working with are these LED disc lights. We have them all over the house, super energy efficient. Uh, they're really clean and thin, easy to install. Uh, and they're honestly just awesome. They've replaced a lot of our can lights. And I don't know if you've tried to buy light bulbs recently, but it is really hard to find bulbs that are not LEDs. Uh, it's hard to find incandescent bulbs because these are way more efficient um, and they're just better in a lot of ways. And unfortunately though, there are a lot of people who are like, oh, I don't want them. They don't look as good. They're not what I'm used to or whatever. And I think that happens a lot that sometimes things come along that are different from what we're used to. And it's hard to accept them, even though they bring a lot of value. And I think that is one of the tensions that the church is walking into in the next 20 years. Because we have a generation coming, Gen Z, it's one of the largest uh, in history, the largest in history. And we have to reach them well. Millions of kids, millions of LEDs who are different than us, but bring a lot of good things, who are asking themselves, who am I? And why do I belong here? What am I here to do? And so it makes me ask the question, what is the next 20 years of Christianity going to look like? You ever thought about that? A lot of us may go to an answer of like, well, it depends on who's going to be in office for the next 20 years or how bad culture gets. And I think those things definitely affect Christianity, but they're, we don't hinge on them. We don't depend on them. Uh, the, the future of the next generation of disciple makers will rise and fall on the intentionality of the current generation to pass on the faith to that next generation, no matter what culture we are in. We see that throughout Scripture. So we have to ask ourselves, what do we do with Gen Z? These LEDs that are bright and crazy, different than us, but bring a lot of value. Like you look at kids under the age of 25 and it's like all they do is TikTok and say things like sadhu that we don't understand what they're saying. But we have to remind ourselves, we grew up in a different culture where especially as Christians, Christianity was kind of mainstream when I was growing up. And for them, it's not. They are growing up in a post-Christian society and we're having to change how we parent these kids to ask foundational questions we've never asked before, like what is gender? Um, to deal with this idea of moral, to, moral relativism uh, that's just being, they're being bombarded with. Um, to teach them how to have a biblical worldview on life. They've never known uh, life without internet in their pocket. Studies are showing that the pornography exposure age is now less than 10 for most kids. They're being told that they should have instant gratification through social media, you name it. But on the flip side, I think that this next generation is packed with potential and passion to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world in a way we've never seen before. For, for one, they are the most inclusive generation in history. And by the way, if you hear inclusivity and immediately think that goes against Christianity, then you've been discipled by something other than the Bible because Jesus, according to scripture, is very inclusive and says, all are able to come to me. Now, we can't mix up inclusivity with tolerating sin, and I think this next generation is going to teach us how to do that well, how to love all people while holding to God's truth. They are sharp. They are going to be the most educated generation in history. They have a passion to see people loved and good for all, and 
we as a church have to figure out how to reach them. And we love kids here at Fellowship. Golly, we staff our teams. I'm on a team of eight student pastors, which is unheard of in a church. Uh, we have great uh, ministers of the gospel here that love kids, and we want to see kids know and follow Jesus. But the reason our family ministry teams exist is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And we believe that the ministry to kids is best done in their home. We're teammates. Uh, we're here to resource and come alongside. But uh, rather than doing a whole family ministry overview about what we do on Sundays and Wednesdays and all that, um, I just want to look at Scripture this morning and talk about a few ways that we as the church, and especially as parents, but all of us, can come alongside these kids and teach them to know and follow Jesus. Um, we believe it happens best in the home. And unfortunately, I think Satan does too. And so his primary attack has shifted in recent years and is aimed directly at the home to try to break those up. But the good news for us is that no matter how fast culture is changing, no matter how strong Satan comes with an attack, the words of God that were breathed out so many years ago are still as powerful today as they were then. And the way that we reach these kids is not a pizza party. It's not an iPad giveaway. I don't see any of that in here. It's discipleship. The church is not facing a culture problem, not facing a Gen Z problem. We are facing a discipleship problem. And I get that many of you may not have kids who are listening, so please don't check out on me because the, the spiritual health, the state of the spiritual health of this next generation not only affects all of us, but it requires all of us in some way. It starts in the home and it moves out from there. So if you got your Bibles, hopefully you're open to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to be in verses 4 through 9 for a little bit this morning. You just heard Reese Mills read it for us. And uh, this is the Shema. It's a key text in the Old Testament, a key text in Christianity, also Judaism. And uh, if you remember in the New Testament, when Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? This is what he goes back to quote, okay? Deuteronomy chapter six. And so verse four says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. Key passage. Now, what comes right after this? You shall teach them these commands diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit down in your house, and we'll get going on the rest of this. But he says, first thing after you shall love the Lord your God is we need to teach these things to our kids. So we're going to break this down and look at three principles that I think show us what true discipleship can look like for parents in the home, for us as a church. And so what does Gen Z need from us? What do these kids need from us according to the scripture? Well, the first thing is that we need to lead them well. They need to be led well. And you may be wondering in these first three verses that you see, uh, I don't see leading in there. The reason I put we need to lead them well from these verses is because leadership of others always starts with being led ourselves. And you notice before Moses ever goes into anything about teaching your kids, he says, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. I command you these things. These should be on your heart, right? They should transform you first. And I think as parents and leaders to these kids, we need to take a look at ourselves uh, more as you know team captains than coaches. So what does a coach do? Well, a coach is in charge of making sure nothing falls apart. So as a parent, if I'm a coach, like I'm the head coach, hey, school, you're the offensive coordinator. Build them up with knowledge so they can get a scholarship. They're, they're sports coaches or, or dance instructors or extracurriculars. You guys are special teams coordinators. Just get them to do something cool so I can put a newspaper article on Facebook. Hey, church, you're the defensive coordinator. Just make sure they don't do drugs or have sex. Please keep them away from that stuff. 
But that's not what true biblical parenting looks like. We're more of the team captain where we're in the trenches with our cleats on beside them, handing them the ball saying, hey, let's go do this together. If you hear one thing, hear this. This next generation needs to see real life Christians passionately following Jesus, not coaches teaching them how to follow Jesus. For generations, families have been outsourcing the spiritual development of their kids to the church, and it's starting to show it can't just happen in a church building, right? For one, it's simple numbers. We get them for maybe 50 hours a year, and in the home, they're getting 3,000 hours of exposure time with their parents. And what they see their parents say and do communicates so much. And the best thing that we as parents and as leaders in their lives can do to love them well is to love Jesus well and follow Him. Kim Boas says this, and I'm paraphrasing, but the, the minute we choose to put them above Jesus is the minute we decrease our ability to actually love them. So you don't have to know everything, but you do need to be known by Jesus and to know Him personally. And you may be going, but my faith isn't that strong. I at least want it for my kids, and they're going to see right through that. They can spot fake from a mile away because they see it every day online. So we have to be real and honest about our shortcomings. We need to apologize, repent, teaching them grace as we go. We, we cannot pass on what we haven't experienced ourselves. So we want our children to know and follow Jesus. Let them watch us know him and fall in love with him. Proverbs 20 verse 7 says this, The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. What does it mean to be a blessed child? To have parents who walk in godly integrity. So you want to bless your kids as a parent or as a leader or whatever. Don't don't get them the best iPhone or the newest car or call their coach to complain and get them more playing time. Walk with God. What the next generation needs from us are leaders who are sold out followers of Jesus, living out of the overflow of our own passion for Him every single day. And it's super hard because most of us do not have it all together. And we feel like we need to hide our faults and our walk with Jesus. But even if it's not good, bring them into that. I don't think I can say this enough. Sin shows us who Jesus is and gives us a chance to teach and repent and love. And we as parents are often scared of our own sin and of our kids' sin. And it's like, why? We all got it. If we failed, we're now better equipped to actually minister to them. And our kids and our youth need to see us lead well, which means authentically loving and following Jesus ourselves. So that's number one. Number two, we'll see in the next couple verses, is they need to be challenged. Verse seven, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. The reason I put challenge in here is, and not teach is because I don't think we need to be reminded to teach our kids things. Everything that we do in life teaches them something. Uh, here's a picture of my family. and My three sons love the things that I love from a very young age because I've taught them to. They love Star Wars, basketball, math, which may seem really lame, but that's what I like. Uh, they love, Hank loves caramelized onions. It's his favorite food. We go to a Mexican restaurant and we get fajitas for one, one of those families. And I'll ask him if he wants a taco. And he's like, yep, onions only. Oh, that's nasty, but they're always learning, right? We're playing a board game the other day. And one of my kids said, uh, oh man, what the heck? And I was like, dude, we don't say that. Where'd you hear that? And he looked me dead in the eye and was like, uh, you? It's like, oh <laughs> Yeah. They're constantly observing us and learning the things that we love. And I sat down with Susan Goss not too long ago. If you don't know her, she's um, a local woman, a woman of faith, great leader, great communicator. And uh, she was just reminding me about how all behavior communicates. 
and that kids are constantly observing us. And so we have to remember, parents, that that's true. And so when we cater our lives, uh, cater the spiritual things in our lives around the important things, um, they're going to see that. And that, make, that communicates something to them. When we cancel all of their spiritual community because baseball, dance, or whatever, that, that's teaching them something. When they never see us open God's Word and spend time learning about Him and in prayer and growing our relationship, that's teaching them something. So the challenge for us is to teach them God's Word. How do we challenge them to depend on God and not us? How do we challenge them to not conform to the patterns of this world and to go to the truth of God's Word when they have a hard situation? we got to be doing that from a young age. I love our elementary and our early childhood teams. They do a phenomenal job at this. And um, I dare you when their services come back online for you to go up to Robin Yates and be like, hey, where's childcare? Because she'll be like, we don't do childcare, all right? We minister and, and disciple young kids and they do it so well. And they're constantly raising up believers to come alongside these kids. Now I confess, I'm an FSM staff member and a dad and one is easier than the other. It is way easier for me to do this uh, to be prepared, to be rehearsed, to lead an FSM team or service or whatever than it is to disciple my own boys when we, they walk through that door. Because you guys see me at my best and they're going to see me at my worst. But that's where true discipleship happens. As we go, as we fail, in the everyday aspects of our life, just like is said in here, when we sit, when we walk, when we lie down, when we rise. And we can't just be parenting and, and teaching scripture when kids mess up. Because when we only have spiritual conversations when something goes wrong, we're teaching them to avoid sin, not to have intimacy with Jesus. So when kids do fail, we got to wrap our arms around them, open up the doors and let them know like, hey, it's okay. And we go to God's word to find out why. I want my kids to fail a lot. And that may be a terrible parenting move. I don't know. I'm still learning. But I want them to, to experience loss and hardship in a lot of ways. So when we play board games, my goal is to destroy them, right? They will know who their father is by the end of that game. Uh, and I want to teach them that it's okay to not be okay, to mess up, to fail, to make mistakes. And when we make mistakes in our home, we often quote Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, God. And we say it over and over again when we make mistakes. Hey, God's mercies are new every morning, okay? This can change. One of the truths of God that I think we as parents and the village uh, that are help raising these kids uh, have to also focus on besides teaching them that it's okay to fail is got to teach them what grace is. You wouldn't believe the number of junior high and high school students that we have in FSM that have no idea how to interact with grace. They only know legalism or license. And so I've made it a goal. I want to teach my kids what grace is. And so when they mess up, sometimes I show them a lot of grace and like lavishly pour gifts on them or take them out to ice cream. And so now they want it all the time, right? Every time Hank messes up, he just screams, I want grace. And uh, secretly, I hope he marries a girl named Grace one day so that I can tell her he's been begging you for you uh, since he was like six years old. But uh, Grace does something to us, right? I always tell parents when, when your son or your daughter confesses a major sin, pornography or whatever, for the first time without being caught, show them grace. Teach them that that's a good thing and that God sees our sin, but man, he covers it. Now that doesn't get rid of discipline, okay? Discipline is a good thing, but we've got to learn how to teach grace within it consistently, right? 
One other thing I want to encourage us on as we challenge kids how to grow from God's Word in day-to-day situations is we've got to bring them in, give them a seat at the table, and give them real ministry responsibility, real life responsibility. The guys have seen do this the best is Scott Clark. Um, he passed away a couple years ago, and I sat in the worship center uh, where many of you are sitting, and at his funeral, as I cried, I watched his four sons um, get up and talk about how their dad had brought them in more as a brother than as a son. And I felt that too, as a mentor for me, I felt like he was always giving me a seat at the table and asking me what I thought. And we need more of that with these kids, right? God constantly uses young people in scripture as a vital part of his ministry plan. The disciples were most likely teenagers. Mary was most likely an early teenager. And so we can't be the generation that stops and says, hey, you got to wait till you're this old before you can go do these things. If we don't give them a seat at the table, they will go find it somewhere else. So we've got to treat them as if they're part of the church now, not the future of the church. So these kids need to be led well, challenged well, and then ultimately we've got to release them well. Verse 8, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Why would he put your gates and your doorpost here? Why do we need the truths of God's word there, right? It's because our kids are constantly leaving. And the releasing process doesn't happen when they graduate high school. It happens well before then, as they're going into the world consistently. And there is joy in that releasing process, right? You you look at social media today, and the releasing process looks like it's awful. And I know there's sadness there, and there's grief in it, but... We also have to remember that Scripture tells us our kids are like arrows. And Mark Schatzman reminded me earlier this week that arrows are only good if they're launched. And there's joy in releasing a Christ follower into the world to go show the world who Jesus is. And so we can't just consistently shelter our kids while they're in our home. There's a fine line between shepherding and sheltering. And sheltering usually leads to fear-based parenting where we just do sin management. And we set this example of what we think the perfect Christian family should look like, and we don't want any sin to come in, okay? And, And I don't think sin management should be our goal. I think our goal should be discipleship and teaching kids to go interact with the world in a world that's full of sin and to handle it well as Christ would handle it. We don't want to create an us versus them mentality because Jesus actually came to win all of us to himself, right? So we got to ask ourselves, as we're releasing these kids daily in these daily moments, what kind of Christianity are we passing on to them? Is it the one that says, well, it looks like hanging a cross on your wall or on your neck? Or is it the one that says, no, following Jesus is about taking up your cross and following him? Is it the one that hangs a verse on the wall? Or is it one that hides a verse in your heart and lets it transform you? Proverbs 22, 6 says that we're to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's a famous verse. And I don't think that means to train up a kid in morality. You train them in morality, they're eventually going to get tired of it. But when you train a kid to be dependent on the Lord and spiritual disciplines and grow with Him, they're going to crave that for the rest of their lives because they're going to see the fruit of it. Now, you may be in here going like, well, dude, I've royally screwed up and have not done a great job at this and I've missed on a lot of opportunities. And so what do I do? One, I would say, welcome to the club. I'm right there with you. Um, All families are dysfunctional. Susan Goss also reminded me that normal is only a setting on the dryer, so none of us are perfect. But I think we can do two things. The first is to pray, and the second is to admit it to our kids that like, hey, I messed up. 
and I failed. We cannot be afraid of our failures, right? Jesus wasn't. Part of what took him to the cross was to redeem us from them. So we have to be open with these kids and lead them well. And I'll tell you this, I'm proud of our church. I'm proud of you. Um, I think God has built up a crazy amount of men and women, cell leaders, uh, high schoolers, junior hires, parents, grandparents who are pouring into this next generation well. And I think there's room that we can all grow as well. So no matter where you're at in your stage of life, uh, no matter what that looks like for you right now, I want to give us all a few things that we can do to love this next generation well. And the first is to follow Jesus. We have to follow God and show this next generation what it looks like to be a real Christian, what it looks like to be sold out in love with God. Second thing, we got to make some room for God to have conversations in our lives. We got to slow down and cut some things out and allow Him to step in and actually change us on a day-to-day basis. We need to be doing the little things often. Um, I truly believe that true change comes from practicing the small things over and over again, rather than just practicing the big things not that often. And then with these kids, like they want shared experiences. So let's create shared experiences where we're not just teaching them about God, but we're living as Christ lives alongside of them, as a captain in the game with them, not as a coach telling them what to do. And then finally, we got to be real. we got to be open and apologize. Let them know when we failed because we're all a work in progress. Um, my family's a work in progress, still are. If you watch the Bentonville Christmas Eve service, you know that. Uh, I asked my kids to separately give the Christmas story, and they both told a synopsis of the plotline of Elf. So got a long ways to go. But the other day I saw a glimpse into the small things working. Alex and I had a big fight. I raised my voice, lost my temper. I yelled at her, and I felt terrible, and I knew my boys heard it. So after I reconciled with her, I took Hank and Duke into their bedroom, and I sat down, and I held their hands, and I was like, guys, I'm sorry. Dad failed. And I explained why and what had happened, and I asked for forgiveness. And something cool happened in that moment. My six-year-old looked at me, and you know what he said? He goes, Dad, it's okay. You got to remember God's mercies are new every morning. And it was in that moment that I realized, one, he's listening. And two, discipleship isn't about me teaching my kids. It's just as much about them teaching me who God is and what grace and love and forgiveness looks like. And no matter what relationship you have with this next Gen Z, no matter your age, there are people behind us, spiritually, physically, whatever, who for each one of us, we are the best shot they have to see a true Christ follower. And there's something that we can do to come alongside and raise up this next generation. If you don't want to lead a cell group or an elementary class, like that's great. That's not for all of us. But I'm a young parent. If you're an empty nester, come ask me how I'm doing. Come ask our generation how you can pray for us. That's what we need in this season is the support of you. You know, what does a... um, What does a young man or woman look like who's been led well, challenged well, and released well? I want to introduce you to three of them real quick. I so wish I could be there and part of this. I got to meet with them earlier this week, but I'm excited to learn alongside you as we listen to them. I'm going to hop on my couch with my family and let them minister to us. And so, Caleb, take it away. Well, these are three of FSM, Fellowship Student Ministries' finest. We have Grant Ressler, Sydney Ruda, and Kaylin Coons with us. And gosh, I can't wait for you guys to hear what they have to say. And so I'm going to interview them. I'm going to throw some questions their way. 
And we're going to see how they respond because we want to give them the opportunity to share with you all. So, hey, Kaylin, I'm going to ask you the first question, and it's a simple one. Just as you look into your past and over your life, what have been some impactful moments for you in your spiritual growth? Yeah, so I actually have two impactful moments. Um, my first one is that I have had the opportunity to serve at K2 Town here at our church, and those kids make me so happy. Um, they lead me closer to the Lord every single day, and I just love it. I wouldn't change it for the whole world. Um, and my second one is that my parents have really shown me that there's so much more in this world that we haven't even seen yet. And so that really motivates me to trust in the Lord even more and be the best person I can be. Well, thanks. Hey, Grant, I'm gonna give you the same question. What are some things as you look back in your life that have impacted you spiritually? Yeah, so um, I have a really big one. Uh, it might be a little shocking, but in eighth grade, I broke my neck. I'm all right now. Um, I walk and we're all good. But breaking my neck, like I lost my identity like I didn't know who I was anymore because before then it was all in sports and athletics but um, luckily I had parents uh, their names are Jeff and Ann Ressler and then mentors in my life like Hunter Hill or my middle school football coach coach Anderson uh, they all just pushed me in a relationship towards the Lord um, and my parents they really helped me find the value in prayer and what it means to pray and it allowed me to find healing through prayer. Man, that's really cool. Even from both of your guys' answers to see that your parents played an impact, even in little ways. I mean, teaching you a worldview, showing you the power of prayer. And that actually stays with you guys. That's really cool. Sydney, I got a question for you, okay? Tell us, what's one way that parents or grandparents, just adults, could impact and influence students in Gen Z? I think something that would be really impactful is when adults or uh, our parents, just role models in our lives are vulnerable with us and are just real and open and genuine about their own struggles and hardships because it's encouraging to know that we're not alone in that and that people that we look up to um, struggle with the same things we do. That's really good. Kaylin, do you have any thoughts on that? What could people do to impact Gen Z? Yeah, so kind of going off of Sydney said, um, I don't know if you guys know this, but we think we know everything, but we don't. Hang on, can you say that again really quick? Say that <laughs> yeah, one more guys, time so they can hear We do not know everything. All right, I'm writing that down. we think we do. But, so parents, we need you. Um, continue wow. to ask us questions and give us information and lead us towards the Lord and just help us in our path that we're taking in this crazy world that we're taking. Thanks, that is really good. Hey, this one is for uh, Sydney and for Grant. And you guys are kind of in a stage. Grant, you're a little closer, uh, but you're, you guys are about to be launched out from your home. And so, Sydney, you first. What do you think will keep you following Jesus as you leave your home and go to school or the workforce? I would say that personally, I love the emphasis that fellowship and FSM puts on um, developing a personal and intimate relationship with God. And I think that my parents um, really helped solidify that for me. Uh, I can remember before I was able to drive myself to church uh, faithfully every Sunday morning, my parents would wake my younger siblings and I up. And even on the days that 
we really just wanted to sleep in and we did not want to get up and go to church. And they would drive us to church. And as soon as we would get back into the car after the service was over, the first questions they would ask us were, you know, what did you guys learn today? What did you guys talk about today? And I think being able to process through that with them um, and converse with them about that was just, uh, it just reinforced what we were being taught. Wow, that's good. You know, the theme of your answers seemed to be kind of like discipline and habits. And just noticing that the habits that parents instill in, in children is who you become as young adults. That's really cool. Grant, same question for you. You got six months and then you're off to college. Yeah, What's going to keep you following Jesus? <laughs> That's crazy. I can't believe it's coming so soon. Yeah, you're, you're getting old. So just get used <laughs> to it, all right? That's oh, what man. that means. College, old. College, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. All right. But uh, something that's going to help me is just continuing my discipleship relationship with Hunter Hill. Um, we started that whenever I was in seventh grade. Uh, my parents would take me at six in the morning to Chick-fil-A so I can meet with Hunter um, and then Hunter would take me to school afterwards, but it's just been a lot of growth through that relationship, um, and he's been able to point me in the direction of Christ. Um, and then another thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to start Bible studies with my roommates. All of my roommates were in my cell group, and so we all have a relationship with Christ, and since we're going to be leaving cell group, we want to be able to continue our relationship and still find community together. So we're going to have a Bible study together. Man, thanks, Grant. It's cool to see, like, if the wrestlers are here, thanks. I mean, you, you talk about community, but you have enabled your son to be around and involved with a good community that's helped shape him. That is good parenting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a risk right now, and I'm going to give you guys the floor for a few seconds each. So I hope this goes well. But if you could think of anything that you want to tell us, what would that be? Kaylin, you're going to start. You've got a few seconds just to share with us what you think would be important for us to hear. Yeah, so I just want to tell everybody that obviously COVID is not very fun, but I think we all need to remember that God is still on the throne and that he loves us all so much and he has the most perfect plan for each one of us. And so I just pray that we all stay faithful, patient, and positive during this time. Well, Sydney, what about you? I think that the biggest thing I can leave you guys with today is just encourage you to reach out to your kids, to talk to them. Um, you know, we may act like punks sometime and like we know everything and we got it all together and you guys know that we don't um, and we know that we don't. And deep down, we really value your time and attention and it means the world to us when you guys, as our parents or as our role models, um, put in effort to connecting with us and asking us questions and checking in on us. So I would just really encourage you that even when we're being stubborn, just to continue to put time into us and to reach out to us because it makes a huge difference. And Grant? Yeah, so one thing that I have is like parents, like don't give your kids phones or tablets right away. I know wait, whenever- Wait, 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 for real, you're gonna say that. Yeah, I am. You know what you're saying right now. <laughs> I hear it. All right, go for it then. All right, because I know, I know it sounds crazy. My parents thought I was crazy whenever I said that. They were like, but Grant, you were the only one without a phone whenever you were a kid. And so I was like, yeah, you're right. But think about it in the terms of like a car. You're not gonna give your 10 year old the keys to, keys to your car and you're not gonna teach them how to drive beforehand. You're gonna teach them to drive the car before you let them drive the car. And so I think technology is the same way. Like you need to equip 
your kids emotionally and spiritually to handle technology because there's a lot that happens with technology. And so that was one thing. And then the other thing that I wanted to say was that I want to encourage you guys to continue to um, show our generation how to live a life worthy of Christ because right now in our society, we're just bombarded with all this negative um, culture and stuff. And like, we just need an example to look up to. And so I pray that you all continue to be a great example for us. Hmm. Well, guys, thanks so much. Those are, yeah, yeah, please. You, you three are wiser than you probably realize. And, and it's fun to get to compliment parents and say that's in part you're doing through in, in the Lord's work through you. So thank you, parents. Hey, fellowship, to close, we're gonna sing a song of blessing and that blessing comes from number six. And so, Kaylin, I'm actually gonna ask you to stand. And would you all stand with us as we read the word of the Lord? And we're gonna read this blessing and as Kaylin does that, just think over it. But when we begin to sing this, I ask that it would be your prayer. And you would pray these words over your family, your kids, your grandkids, your neighbor's kids, and just the families of fellowship that we would ask the Lord to bless us in this way. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Before we leave this morning, we're gonna have Jaina, lead the blessing for us. One of our FSM students here has been serving so faithfully. We invite you to sing with us this morning. Gracious to you, the Lord's
thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you he is with you he is with you in the morning in the evening in your coming and you going and you weeping and rejoicing he is for you he is for you with this fellowship. If you'd like prayer this morning, the parishes are in the prayer and we'd love to pray with you, for you. Go in peace.